genre. Welcome to Tales from the Short Box, a once-weekly Wednesday podcast where we talk about comic books. My name is Adam Sheehan, and I'm here, as I'm always here, with Sean Petit. Yo. Casey Crawford. Hello. And RJ Vite. Hey, yo. It's a courtesy I want to remind the listener, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. If you haven't read the books we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to spoil those. So I'm going to give you timestamps and episode descriptions so you can skip anything that you might need to skip. Our top story this week, we're starting our, our two-week series on the X-Men with... The Dark Phoenix Saga by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. The goat. Feels like uh, the most inevitable episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We did it. We're here. We are an X-Men podcast after all. We're officially a podcast about comic books because we're doing the Dark Phoenix Saga. (laughs) Surprised it took us this long to get to some classic X-Men. Yeah, 127 episodes. We, We waited. We held off. In a row? In a row. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. So how we doing? How was everybody? Chilling. I feel like we just did this. I feel like we, did we just, just finished recording last week's episode. Like I have nothing to report. I have well, no no concept of what day it is. I have no yeah. idea what day it is. Uh I don't know who I am or where I am. The only I'm, thing I've done pretty much all week other than like my normal functions to like keep a job and shit is I started watching Dragon Ball Z again. That's it. Oh no. Like, it's a rabbit hole. Dude. That's I mean, here, I love Dragon Ball Z as much as that. I'm fourteen guy. again and it's so good. <laughs> Here's the thing though. I tried to I tried to binge watch it. I bought like Chinese bootlegs from the okay, fucking here, flea market when I was gotta, in college. You, got, you gotta watch it, well, yeah, that's your first problem. Yeah, but but I try I tried binge watching it, and the Chinese bootleg was actually great. Like it was the, the, the it was English dub and English sub, and it was yeah. all on point. But that's not a show you can watch as an adult because for the first time. No, no, no. I'd seen it as a kid, but I'd only seen parts. I'd never seen like whole. Okay. I I, I wasn't like tuning into Toonami after school every day and getting <sighs> the the plot over and over and over again. I would just be like, oh yeah, that's that guy sell. Yeah. Um, what a great time! Holy shit! You can't you can't watch that as an adult. It's, it, it, it's your too long, right? Span. So, oh my god! Someone in their infinite fucking wisdom realized that adults also watch cartoons, and there is a cut of Dragon Ball Z that basically brings it from three hundred episodes to uh one twenty. Uh, is that it Dragon Ball Z out, Kai? Yeah, it takes all the filler out. I, it's I, fucking incredible. I remember when that was airing on like <laughs> Disney XD or whatever the it's fuck. It's the I best. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember where it was like, oh, it's, that's two episodes in one. That's fucking brilliant. That makes it's sense awesome. because just all the buildup parts are just like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, when no, you're 13, I got to the you Cell Saga and I do. was just like, I fucking want to die. I can't yeah, do anymore. It's incredible when you don't have I didn't even get to Majin Buu. I didn't even get to Majin Buu. I couldn't, okay. I couldn't take I it I will anymore. never, I'll never, I'll never forget this shit. So I watched it on Toonami for the first time, right? Uh-huh. From the beginning of Dragon, from Z, all the way through, and this is every day I'm catching this on TV with like, and I was That's like, consistent. Yeah. Because I would just come home from school and it was on at like, right after i got home from school so it was perfect uh so i watched that all the way through and you get to there's an episode where vegeta blows himself up to to try to beat boo which is like right in the middle of that saga so there's like 40 episodes after that 
to the end of <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. That episode aired. I'm like, oh shit, what's going to happen next? I tune in the next day. I shit you not. I tune in the next day. The next episode, they went all the way back to the beginning of Dragon Ball. <laughs> not Z. They went all the way back to the beginning ah. of Dragon Ball. Yeah. So no, fuck you I in was particular. Like, what? <laughs> so I have to wait three years before you can get back, and I can watch. I never. I've, I to this day, and I'll probably this will be the first time. Oh, that's so I've, deflating. I've never seen the end of Dragon Ball Z because of that. I think uh, one of my favorite things about being a comic reader uh, in the in like now is that the current like group of comic writers that we have. It's so apparent that they're that one of their influences was anime. Oh yeah, because that's something you don't get with like uh, older comic writers, like in the seventies and sixties. Yeah, yeah. Is that, and like you know, we just had Mark Wade and Dan Mora combine Superman and Batman into one. Oh yeah, character. Fusion. It was, which is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, I'm really excited to watch it again because there's nice, click, quick episodes. I can just watch one or two and move on my life because I'm, well, I'm an adult that has more power to you. I don't have I don't have uh, I don't have it in me. I can't. <laughs> not, cut, not again. Th this is the only way to watch it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I could never watch it a uncut version. I could never do it. Yeah. No, it I would just feel me. like I'm wasting my time. It almost broke <laughs> me. I was in it. college. I had shit to do and I still like. I yeah. Like, I, I, I this I was can't. all throughout like middle school and high school. I was watching it. I can't do it. I I will. I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. <laughs> tuning in the next so, day. Tuning in the next day, and where I've been rewound fifteen years worth of episodes. My, like it was <laughs> unbelievable. My introduction to manga was a friend reading Dragon Ball Z, and I'm going, "Oh, they made a comic of that," and it's <laughs> like, awesome. "Oh, okay." <laughs> oh, okay. And then, got it. And then when you discover manga for the first time, it's like it, it's a someone opened library of alexandria yeah my buddy got me and my buddy lane introduced me to manga so i've read a few uh few few ones and i haven't picked it back up but i might now that rj's I just, reignited I, our fuel we were talking about this on uh dueling genre tonight last week I, I don't have i don't have time or the shelf space for manga i just i don't have anywhere to i don't think it. i could buy it <laughs> i think i'm i'm with you on that i definitely don't have room for it <laughs> there's no room for that in my life you want to yeah. put like 50 volumes of something up on your shelf you can get one unreadable volume <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah the yeah. one piece thing yeah the, the meme so book <laughs> like so it's so like the ones i've read like they've been like full metal alchemist is like one of the best comic like manga like that medium story i've ever read it was so fucking good yep i might like i might actually be the six I might be yeah. the the least well read uh, of manga of everyone here, except for maybe Adam. Maybe me and Adam are on the same plane here. I've only uh, read Akira, <laughs> and that's not saying a lot. I've only read like maybe three or four things all the way through. But yeah, I've read Akira all the way through. I've read some Junji Ito, not much else. Yeah. So the closest yeah. I've come to really reading manga is uh, uh, Usagi Ojibo, and that does not you count. Read Lone Wolf and Cub. I have read some some. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've read some loop in the third too. I have like a I've dipped my feet in. There you go. We're gonna fix that. <laughs> There's these big volumes I borrowed from someone. I don't remember what it was. It was definitely about samurais, but I don't know which samurai book it was. It's probably Vagabond. 
It was. Thank you. God, yeah. you're good. That was awesome. <laughs> that book's dope. RJ the fucking goat over here. Jesus. I think it was. I'm like, yeah, it's about Miyamoto Masashi. That book is. That art is amazing. Yeah, I think that was it. That book was really good. Good shit. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much that. That was my week. I went bowling, but that's that's like part of my weekly schedule, so it doesn't really count. I've been um I've been watching Seinfeld on in the background while at work, just as something I can kind of tune in and out of. It's also as long as any anime, right? But I I ran out of Seinfeld. um, (laughs) Now you're on to Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, I tried. I was like, oh well, the next progression is Curb Your Enthusiasm. But then, like, I'm trying to do work while there's just shouting. <laughs> that show is just people just shouting at one another. Oh, stop. I saw something the other day. I don't know what it was on, but Jason Alexander was talking about when he first started doing Seinfeld and like he was like having a hard time grasping the concept of the situations because they were so fucking ridiculous. And he was talking to Larry David. And he's like, dude, like this won't happen. This doesn't happen to anybody. This shit's yeah, not no real. No one is like this. And Larry's like, this literally happened to me. And then he's he like, this like, literally Dude. happened to me. And that's when the light bulb went off. He's like, oh, I'm playing Larry David. Like, that's who my character is. And like, that's when this, I'm like, that's like, that kind of makes me want to watch it just to see like yeah. it through that lens. Because um, I've never I, watched Seinfeld. The, the funny so thing. Good. The, the funny thing about Sean, you hating Kirby Enthusiasm so much is that like, I relate to larry david on such a visceral level that i cannot express to you so the fact like, that we're friends and you hate that show is is an anomaly that does I not get make it. sense i get it but like larry just says it, the things out loud that everyone wants to say but it's cranked up to 50 oh yeah <laughs> that's that's the part that gets me it's like you don't understand how mad i am all the time all no, the i do all yeah, the I, time yeah, I don't. I, it's just I, it, about I the for, dumbest shit imaginable. For me, it's it's just the the hills he chooses to die on. Yeah, right. he's it's brave like, enough. He's brave enough <laughs> no, to do it. No, dude, the first I've only watched the first episode and him just going on about fifteen minutes about the person in the movie theater. I'm like, dude, who fucking cares? Oh, the pants, the pants tent. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, I'm like, just yeah, yeah. dude, Please. who fucking cares oh. about this freaking person? And it's just like, cause it's the most inane shit that he just uh. wants to like talk about for so long, like. It, I get that it's funny, but like I yeah. can't do it. I can't. Do Honestly, it. the only reason I'm not exactly like Dar- Larry David is my anxiety because I know I'm annoying people <laughs> when I go on about funny, things that don't matter. <laughs> what's funny about like the, the difference between Seinfeld and Kirby enthusiasm is like Seinfeld really evened him out a lot on that yeah. show. Like if it was just Larry David, it would be way more tense and way more mean spirited. But but like Seinfeld brought that kind of like whimsical joke yeah, the levity. Levity. yeah yeah Nah, larry's just spiteful like just living to spite others and i'm here for it and i love it it's fair honestly there's there's an episode in the most recent season of curb where he wears it might be the last season but he wears a maga hat just because he realizes that people won't bother him or sit near him or talk to him yeah people and will it's leave like, him alone Jesus. yeah honestly I, my, my fear of being disliked <laughs> overwhelms my fear of being talked to in public, but it's not by much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's a, it, it barely won, so. <laughs> like, what, a, what a fucking champion. Like, my true, my true hero, you know? 
All right. Well, All let's right. talk about last week's comics. What do we got? Uh, my comic this week is Action Comics 1047 uh, by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Ricardo Federici, and Lee Lowridge. All right. Well, Superman is back and he's having sky sex. He definitely, he definitely, there's has a lot sky of sky sex. sex in this book. It's adorable. <laughs> him and him and Lois just on top of him, floating in the air. It's adorable. Yeah, it's like Lois like sitting on his back while he's just like basically planking in the air. Yeah. I like how they have a moment. They're like talking, like they're having this really deep conversation. And then she's like, nah, I ain't done with you. We ain't going down yet. <laughs> <laughs> I got some unfinished business up Sometimes here. Sometimes you just got to handle shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, the floating in the air. <laughs> Screw gravity. While, while staring at War World because he, that's what he used as a taxi. Dude, I'd, I'd hate to, to be passing by below him. <laughs> he, the, there's just one person like that is walking by. It's like, what the hell is happening oh, up there? There is a lot of perverts that are really happy that Superman fucks in the sky. It's it's just like that hotel room that's like just uh, a window. Yeah. The, the wall is a window. Yeah, that's just people for, have died. Just for exhibitionists. Yeah. <laughs> I just meant I wouldn't want to get dripped on. You Ew. Know? <laughs> Ew. Well, no, I would imagine it just goes into orbit, right? Because he's so. <laughs> They're not in space. Uh, yeah, also, no, but he just, he's just got some power to it. So it just. <laughs> oh, uh, like the we're pro. We're in Mallrats you know territory again. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, be here. Yeah, we got to move off of this. Well, that's just the pro. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ugh. All right, well, uh, so we learned that Superman kind of took the the two kids from Warworld and they're staying at his place until they figure out where they should go. Um, and then also we uh, catch back up with Luther and um, who has gone to Warworld to salvage uh, stuff from that, which is never, it's not good. Well, not, Superman made not it not gonna be good. Well, Superman made it really easy by parking it right next to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Sorry, guys, I brought a war world back with me." <laughs> he uh, just he just throws. I don't an know anchor. where to park my war world. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just gonna leave it here how for you, right now. How do you anchor a war world? Yeah. Um, Please don't tow my war world. <laughs> it's not abandoned. Pays the meter. Yeah, that's some extreme NIMBY. It's like, don't leave that there. You can't leave that next to our world. Not in my backyard orbit. Yeah, it's like half this uh, uh, issue is people yelling about it. It's like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm like super what, did, what did it bring crime into your neighborhood? Like, they're in the, they have their own atmosphere. I like, just liberated a people. Can you not be a dick yeah. about it? I don't right. know where to put it. Can you fucking chill, bro? <laughs> Start complaining about open borders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Yeah, Luther's up to some fucking nefarious shit here, man. Yeah, this feels like a really good Luther. Uh, during the rebirth, he was a good guy for a minute, I think, but I don't remember. I didn't really read much of that. So, uh, but it's kind of like getting back to you know. Yeah, him. he's he's tried that shit a couple times. It never sticks. This feels like like true. a classic Luther move. Just like here's some. Here's some sciencey shit, Metallo. Go, go. Yeah, and, and he Metallo. goes to meet go with Metallo, who is in prison, and is like a, he's, uh, like, kind of cut 
in half. Like he doesn't have limbs, or he has like he has like two limbs, and they're like, I guess he's in prison, but and they're yeah. just like not fixing him. I mean, yeah, kids. I guess fixing him would just be like an excuse for him to break out, right? Yeah, yeah the limbs tell, he's gonna like, use them. It's not clear like why he's in prison or like who's imprisoning him, like or if there's like a. If he just because he's like a bad dude, or if they they want him for some, it's definitely because he's a bad something. guy. Okay, but uh, also I haven't read much of Rebirth Superman besides this, so I don't know what the last thing that happened to Metallo was. But Luther essentially goes to him with technology he finds in uh War World, and is like, "Here, use this to power you." Uh, I think it's the is it the stuff that gave Superman his his powers that new stone that they've that energy source so right. it's going to like amp metallo up which is going to be cool to see um so yeah it's just kind of you know like a setup issue getting clark back to earth and uh clark um also goes to the un and announces that he's setting up like a r&d place for renewable energy because of all the tech from Warworld, which is cool. I guess it's kind yeah. of like a counter to whatever Metallo is going to do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I like this bit where, where like he stops a car accident and then tells the kids to, re- to wear their seatbelt. Like, there's some like yep. seriously Superman moments in this. Uh, oh yeah, the sure. kid offers him his stuffed animal, and is like, "No, you keep it. I think he would miss you." I was like, "Oh my god, yeah. it's adorable." Oh, <laughs> yeah. so cute. It's a little flash dog too. It's, a, it's great. Yes. <laughs> it was good. It's a good issue. Well, for something completely different. <laughs> this is quite different. Uh, I got I. This is the roadie. Number one, by Tim Seeley, Frank Galan, and El and El Torres. So <laughs> this opens up in 1983 to a show of the band Mass Acre, which I thought was fucking great. <laughs> oh, I get I it. I mean, is it pronounced massacre? Because it sh- it should. It should be. be, but I think it's it's two it's, words. It's yeah. Okay. All right. But. I think they had some fun with it. It's like man's laughter. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Um, and we're basically following this legendary roadie um, um, just named John, John D. He's John D. the roadie. So he's just like this legendary roadie that helps people, all these big bands make it. Because it seems that in this world, um, Basically, Satan has come and decided that he uh, is was going to actually tempt and affect the musical tastes of metal bands and have them write lyrics and songs that will summon demons. And this roadie, as the demons are being summoned during the metal show, sends them back to hell under Satan's control. All right. (laughs) Well, that's metal as fuck. So, like, there's this metal show going on, and there's these giant lights going off, and it's, like, this demon being ensnared because the roadie is, like, actually keeping it in check. (laughs) 
So we basically, we follow this roadie who's kind of been doing it with the same guy for years. And he's just kind of bouncing between chicks and roadies and going on the road. Um, he ends up <laughs> trying to hook up with this woman and just like what was terrible. So he goes upstairs and just throws some porn in and just playing his guitar. Um, and as the porn's going, it turns into like this weird cum monster that is like a succubus that gives us like the whole plot. That yeah, it's like uh, it's like the the girl crawling out of the TV in the ring, but it's um, but it's cum. Yep. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> before that, the the VHS is on his thing. Uh, he's got he's oh, got yeah. some good stuff. He's got brain damage, demons, yeah. chopping mall. I mean, he's got some Frank Hindenlauter. Uh, that's awesome. That's- I like his porn. It's just on various stuff. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. tape is labeled. <laughs> yeah, you you gotta label your porn something weird, like uh, so like good. the 1994 inaugural ball or something. Oh, mine's <laughs> just no porn. one will ever put in the VCR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the not porn drawer. Yeah, mine's <laughs> just mine's just parenthesis not porn parenthesis. <laughs> like any of us have physical porn, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's got the space? Um, yeah. Right. Anyway. Um. So the succubus comes out, basically gives us the rundown about how the demons and it's it's snaring them and then but now there is this other force named uragal she whose tongue drips with maggots <laughs> and basically has like morphed it and created this new form of all these different forms of music that are so like now all these demons are like out of control um but then <laughs> And she's basically saying that Satan created an antichrist to fight all of this. But this succubus is basically saying, coincidentally, this woman showed up at the same time that you also banged this woman and you have, who was a succubus and now you have a soulless life and you're a seventh son of a seventh son. So you should go, you should go check out your daughter over here. <laughs> oh, damn. So that's like this whole like magical thing. And he's Wait, just like, so, so his daughter is the Christ figure or the Antichrist? The Antichrist figure. Okay. Um, from what we can tell. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? A, I think in this context, it's a good thing because yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. they that's are was... ensnaring the demons and sending them back to him. And that's how it sates Satan's hunger to Got have it. these demons under his control. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So the succubus I, I, is basically telling him, "Hey, you're a seventh son of a seventh son, which comes its own. That's magic. Everyone like that's a classic magical thing, and you definitely banged a succubus when you were uh, a roadie. And you know, you know how you basically haven't been sexually fulfilled since then. You just feel empty all the time. You know, like five minutes ago when you tried to bang that woman and you feel nothing. Remember that? Yeah, it's because this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she's basically like, hey, uh, go save your daughter because all these demons are going to try to kill her. And it's, um, we meet the daughter who is a now music teacher <laughs> at a private school <laughs> who then reveals herself to be uh, a rapper named L.A. Hex who, and it's just pagan rap. It's just all about Satan and shit. <laughs> it's just, um, and that's kind of where we leave off and these like maggots are trying to kill her so like this is like this absurd thing but i'm loving the idea of the demons and satan and all being tied together with music and metal and all that shit being real (laughs) and roadies being the ones to like reel it all in (laughs) yeah and now it's evolved to like 
other forms of music and shit. They're like animal control at that point. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like he was like the best at it. Like that's why everyone wanted him. So it's a it just seems like right up right what would come out of Tim Seeley's brain. A lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. No, that's crazy that's shit, on that's on brand. That's, that's Yeah, awesome. it was fun. I feel like it'll be a cool thing. Lots of like music references, like, you know, the band being called Mass Acre, like the just stupid little jokes for people like me like he's playing at a bowling alley later because it's been like it's like 30 years 40 years now and it's christian mass of ass acre tonight at 10 p.m because the m fell off <laughs> i'm just like nice that's good that <laughs> that's what i want to see i like i like dick and butt jokes that's that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> but no it was really fun i think uh I, i'm I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this feels like a it's got promise to be just a wild goofy comic um all about just trying to fight demons with music i don't know it seems cool hell yeah hey man all right uh, i've got a number one as well um briar number one by christopher cantwell german garcia and mateus lopez uh this book fucking rules it's a <laughs> so darker dystopian take on the sleeping beauty myth um so the princess uh, Briar Rose is is narrating the story because she uh, the first thing we hear is that the narrator of her story died, so she's got to narrate her own story, which already is putting it off on not, like a what not a great yeah. start. No, yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? So you know she's got the the fairy godmothers and the spindle and the curse and like it's all the 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 Sleeping Beauty myth that you know, and then she falls asleep, and her her father and uh, a suitor come to the agreement that um like maybe we just like don't even need to wake her up yeah so, like, i'll marry her but she'll just stay asleep the whole time yeah that's so prince because if she, yeah, if she so wakes prince, up all she's gonna do is fuss yeah yeah no she's just to gonna demand uh you know the sovereignty of her nation and you know her and, her and, actual and body yeah, the the just rights that she deserves as a human, you know, all those pesky things. things that women ask for. I just, um, I just pesky love, women things. I love how just like innocent and and kind of adorable she is. Like, there's this one part where she's like, "Now, all all of you, announce your favorite dessert on the count of thrice." <laughs> yeah. No, she's just yeah, I like she's how just the over the top being, fancy dialogue too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's just she's just being an adorable princess in her princess world, and she's like, "Ouchie!" And then she, yeah, so everything goes to shit. Um, uh, so her her shitty husband that never wakes her up uh, goes on a he's he's greedy and bloodthirsty, so he goes on, uh, you know, blood and conquest him and the her father, the king. Uh, and because they're so fucking greedy and warmongering, the kingdom falls. Um, the empire rotted. And a hundred years passes, and she is just forgotten. She's still asleep. She's still, she, like, the castle is overgrown. And we see a mysterious figure comes in to wake her up. Um, he, like, first, like, steals, I mean, they, I don't actually know. If he, this person I think steals. I, it feels like almost like a grave robber. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the person, like, yet. steals the amulet and then just also gives her a kiss, which wakes her up. And uh, she's a, just a fucking skeleton because, you know, like the laws of uh, of human anatomy still exist. So she just like coughs up dust and like is like emaciated. So she like immediately goes to like the water. She's like a rabid animal, like needing water <laughs> and sustenance. And I've been this hungover before. 
Yeah, yeah, no, relatable. <laughs> um, You're coughing so up it, grave dust. You end up yeah. drinking a gallon of water without stopping. <laughs> and just, just puking and and coughing and oh my god, yeah. Anyway, so uh, she she's running through the woods uh, animalistically and uh, comes upon like a like a person just like camping in the woods with a fire and she's like oh fucking help me and then like as she's like talking to this person giant rat just attacks her and uh and she murders it just instinctively and she has just become this like animalistic thing um yeah happens upon a a tavern and is immediately captured by slavers immediately um, sold into slavery immediately for sold work. into slavery because everything is awful not um, much has changed in the n- yeah well <laughs> Not much has changed, but it's it's worse uh, than it was when she remembered because she's just of like course. I am Briar Rose of the kingdom. I'm the the rightful heir of the the kingdom of whatever the fuck. And they're like, oh, okay, lady. Uh, oh, they're like, put oh. her in a cage. Yeah, that yeah. kingdom doesn't they exist. Call it, and they call you're... it girlin work. I was like, oh god, that's yeah. never good. Yeah, she's gonna do girlin girl work. That's so not. Uh, but while she's in these cages, she uh, she happens upon another. Uh, well, no, before she's thrown in the cage. A uh, Norish, which is clearly like the um, like a, a frost giant species from the yeah. north. Um, this Norish, they call her an ice blood, uh, comes to her aid because like clearly she sees this girl is just like a fucking mess and not capable of defending herself. So she tries to to save her from slavery. They both get thrown into slavery, as as happens, you know. Um, but yeah, they uh. The entire band of assholes gets slaughtered by uh, cannibals from the South Wastes. Dude, this book uh, is like non-fucking-stop, dude. It's oh, just shit. so yeah, much. Dude. Like, honestly, it's the crazy. first issue could have just been her waking up, and that would have still been cool, but it's just like, shit just keeps going bad. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, all right, cool. All right, they got captured. All right, oh, wait, there's more? Oh, cannibals? Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the well, fuck? They get marauded in the desert as, like, the entire party gets eaten by cannibals, and um, she's, like, melting because she's, a, she's like, a frost giant, a frost giant. but she's yeah. in the goddamn desert, so she's just, she's dying. Um, so the princess manages to like drag her to uh, a tent to like uh, there's like this like shaman in the middle of the desert and she's like hey please hey you uh, can you help us not die and the shaman ha- tells her of the uh, prophecy that uh, once she awakes the uh, the entire uh, kingdom or the entire like land is just gonna be apocalypsed like it's just like. Once mm-hmm. she's awake, everything goes to shit. So she's like, I don't want to be the bringer of all the doom, but <laughs> am I, like they call, call her the Herald of, Herald of Oblivion. Um, That's a dope name. And yeah, then he like cuts his cool. own head off. Like this guy yeah. wastes no time. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. this shit. I am out. Yeah, he's like, this is bad. I'm not going to be around Seacrest to see it. out. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's a fucking super bloody version of uh, Sleeping Beauty, and it fucking rules. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's so much world building in this just this first issue. Um, there's a I'm map. really excited yeah. to see. There is a map. Cool. A good, cool that's how you know map. you got a good fantasy book when there's a fucking mm-hmm. map at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. that's how you do it. Yeah, I've yeah, been it was rad. been telling people that I just finished uh, Cantwell, who wrote this his TV show called Halt and Catch Fire, which is amazing. I love. Hey, you're talking about that. 
anything yeah that's that's in my queue that's that's in my queue now because rj is just won't stop talking about it keeps hyping also his iron man run is incredible and coming to an end in like two issues i think something like that yeah dude yeah he also did that other book uh that we talked about a bunch um everything that was like like surreal like capitalism horror um, oh yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's exactly. What, he, I feel like we read a couple other things by him, but his yeah, his name keeps popping up for sure. He was he busy. Read that Doom book too. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Doom. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he got busy with Iron Man because that was a pretty lengthy run, and then it's mm-hmm. good to see that he's got this going on. And I think he has a few other TV shows. Oh yeah. Thing. This awesome. definitely has the potential to be another um like um. Something's killing the children level, like boom, like big. Yeah, you know, like I feel like it, I feel like it could catch on and be a really. It's got a really great vibe. It's a yeah. character you kind of know, but it's already like big and epic from the jump. And the art is gorgeous. So yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't hurt. It really hit all the boxes for a number one issue. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's a solid number one. Like yeah. All right. Well, shifting gears yet again without even pushing in the clutch like we're just this is department (laughs) of truth number 21 by james tynan uh martin simmons and adita bid bideker so yeah shit's starting to get real dude this Shit's been getting real for twenty one issues. Yeah, it's but this it, is like this is like the uh this, this is like the big reveal of why it, shit's getting real. It's coming together. It's starting to yeah. it's starting to congeal. There've there've been like a stretch of several issues of this book where it's just been kind of a slow simmer. And yeah, this is it's the boil. starting to boil. Yeah. Yeah, this this feels yeah, this is the boil and the, uh fucking coal is in the pot. <laughs> yeah, so we find out that um because, so it, all of the, the gold reserves aren't actually kept at Fort Knox. They're kept at some other, like, bullion depository near like right Fort next door. Knox. Yeah, it's like right near there. But because pop culture and, and whatnot, everyone thinks all of the gold in Fort Knox. So everyone thinks that there's gold in Fort Knox. So there must be gold in Fort Knox in this world. So... Uh, Hawk spends a lot of his his time early on working with the department trying to find the vault in Fort Knox and finds it. So basically, there's this room that doesn't actually exist within Fort Knox, this fictional room where they can kind of just stash shit away. And there's all this gold. <laughs> because Yeah, which is kind of great. Gold. There is gold in there, but it's like, yeah, it, it, they create this room that's like, it's like a little pocket universe that isn't affected by the whims of the world. So like, this is where they could put quote unquote, the true history of the world without it being affected. And all this Tulpa gold. (laughs) Yeah. And all this Tulpa gold. Can you spend, can you spend Tulpa gold? I think so. Because like they walk in and Cole's like looking at the gold and she's like fucking uh, the other agent. He's like, she's like, put it down. You can't take any. I mean, you were thinking about it. He's like, I definitely was thinking about it. If you can kill Topa things, I imagine you can spend Topa gold. Yeah, because it's real gold. It just exists out of time and space at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, it just gives you a nosebleed. It makes you feel like you're going to throw up. Could you imagine, ah, so like, like regular money got it yeah, yeah. Just like could you imagine making like a ring out of that it's like oh i don't like this ring it makes me feel 
gross. Ever since I got married, I feel like I want to die. <laughs> I hope it's not the marriage. It must be oh, the is ring. That what, is that what all the wedding bands are made out of? <laughs> is that why we have this problem? Uh, could be. Marriages are just but topas. We, we also find that this is where this is where uh, Lee has been keeping the the stuffed corpse of of the Mothman of Point Pleasant, which is like, Dude. that's R.I.P. my boy. R.S.V.P. Yeah, like, Mothman. F in the chat for Mothman. <laughs> my boy. I know. Oh, my sweet, my sweet I know. Moth boy. Who's just hanging bad. from the ceiling with dead, non-glowing I mean, that's 100% eyes. how you would taxidermy a Mothman, to be fair, but like, I, I think RJ nailed it. I think he should be a lamp. <laughs> yeah, you gotta make him. You gotta with make him lamp, and you gotta have a like a button on his chest where his wings pop, like spread yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. The the reveal is funny because it's like, what the fuck is that? A Mothman? And yeah. she's like, yeah. Just have a spare Mothman. <laughs> All right. I love. I love. Yeah. I love Cole being us walking through this room. Like, what the fuck? And she's just like, yeah. Have you ever seen a Mothman before? Get over it. Let's go. Like. <laughs> What are you Poor new? Mothman. Come on. Poor Mothman. <laughs> it was a fucking mistake by Hawk and Lee got wished into existence and then they just like stuck it in a room until it died. That's fuck poor guy. And, yeah, and now it's just like a coat hat. A hat yeah, rack. just like a fucking hat rack for Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so we we find out that um Haw Hawk's been playing kind of all of the cards. Like I think, yeah, he's playing a different game than everybody else. Because he made a deal with the people from the, the, the Ministry of Lies from the Soviets to kind of rent out space in this, this fictional room for them to keep their, their quote-unquote truths. Well, they were all, like, together. Like, yeah. Lee, the Ministry of Truth, and Ministry of Lies were like, yo, we got this room. You can keep some shit. Like, we can keep some shit here. We can, cause, but I think what ended up happening is like America slash Lee really American it up <laughs> and fuck that as shit up. they do <laughs> and decided to turn like it kind of got out of control. And that's when they kind of like turned on the Soviets. And I think Hawk kind of gave them like a back door after that to kind of like let them continue to use it or take shit if they wanted to. <laughs> it's crazy. All in this imaginary room. Right. Yeah. So th this this was kind of this was fun. This was like back to the usual antics of this book of yeah. kind of bending reality. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then they walk into these this archives where all this stuff's supposed to be. And oh yeah, it's, it's empty. all empty. And there's just like a TV with with a VCR. And it just says "Play Me," which is fucking classic. And it's um, it's, it's a porn. Russian guy. It's all porn. It's just Jesus. it's just the craziest porn. It should have been Rick um, Astley. Mothman it's just porn. Mothman porn. Oh, there it is. So RJ and I are on the same page. The Mothman Chronicles. <laughs> That's what the Mothman Chronicles is. Yeah. Is that fucking Richard Gear? Um, what are we doing down? Also, Everyone's it's gotta... Mothman Prophecy. You fucking philistine. Oh, no, the sorry. porn is Chronicles. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Come on. I mean, there's a there's a Mothman porn. Of course, there's a. No, I just make it. I... All right, well, anyway. it's a topa now. Now I'm going yeah, yeah, to... Yeah, made it, it up, so now it just made Mothman I'm going to check my enough DVDs people believe that there. we can convince enough people that it exists. <laughs> it's going to be right next to your VHS of brain damage. There is pterodactyl porn, so I mean... <laughs> I like... 
I like how the reveal basically was like, hey, Lee, uh, if you're watching this, I'm dead. Like, you fuck you 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 fucked up a good thing by getting too greedy. So I'm gonna fuck you by giving all of the shit that's in this room to Black Hat, and they're gonna take you down. So go fuck yourself. I hope you die. Yep. God it's damn. awesome. <laughs> Coming but full circle to make to making Lee Harvey Oswald the bad guy again. <laughs> I mean, well, he is he's the fucking Tulpa, and I don't think Cole has really gotten that. Fully yeah, yet. like like that's he, why he's he like had, kind of knows it, but that's not why really. he had he felt such a kindred relationship with the Mothman because they're this they're made of the same stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like, and one of them is stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> I just like this idea that Cole has now been working for the Department of Truth, and the people that he's they're trying to recruit him are warring against literally have. They have every answer. They know everything, and they have unlimited money because they have this this vault full of scary gold. <laughs> well, yeah, they could just yeah, and like they have they have the true history of the world, so they could undo America because we've Lee has changed what what it was. <laughs> yeah, and turned it into this propaganda and machine. If only. Yeah, right? <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> I feel like this is like almost wish fulfillment on top of everything yeah. else. <laughs> I just love bit, how yeah. many heel turns Lee Harvey Oswald has had in this kid. I know, yeah. right? Because so like, <laughs> he's teetered between... Vil- yeah, it's it's kind of wild. And kind Hawk of too. like the actual Lee Harvey Oswald where we're all <laughs> right. like, oh, he's the worst person in the world. No, he's a patsy. No, he's he was just a fucking idiot who did try to shoot the president <laughs> and missed, guys. <laughs> don't get me started on what actually happened. I have yeah, a whole... I, I yeah, we don't need to go It was the Mothman. It, it was, was the Mothman. Perfect. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald is the Mothman. <laughs> Yo, there it is. That's volume seven of the porn. <laughs> Well, Lee Harvey Oswald goes into a cocoon and then comes out the Mothman. <laughs> it's the fly, but the Mothman. <laughs> That's a but, hell of yeah, a it's like a full like Cronenbergian like <laughs> body horror because his whole body has to dissolve and then reform into the Mothman. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Mothman. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you want to talk about X Men? You guys want to yeah. talk about Mothman more? Let's Always. let's talk about. What makes X Men the X Men? Oh, right. X Men! What if, what if Mothman got the Phoenix Force? What's that? Sorry. Sorry. This is RJ's turn. He's gone down the rabbit hole. All right. Continue. It's 1963, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby have pretty much, you know, gone from we're going to retire if this book, if Fantastic Four doesn't work out, to the. Hot, hottest shit in comics. Um, <laughs> holy shit, we have to keep writing Fantastic Four forever. Right. Um, so, you know, at this point, they've created uh, what? Uh, Fantastic Four, uh, Iron Man, um, is it, uh, Hulk. Hulk, yeah. Uh, uh, Thor. Daredevil. Not Daredevil. Thor. Daredevil was 64. Not Daredevil yet. Spider Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, they were looking for. Something that they didn't have to write a superhero origin for. They just wanted uh, a next book, and they were like, 
they're already superheroes. So it's like <laughs> it's in their genes. Um, All right. And uh, so they create in 1963 what would be the X-Men uh, with the tagline, the strangest superheroes of all. Um, and to be honest, it was a failure. It sucked. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it it would take that, Stanley. I mean, it would go on for a while. You know, it would. uh, It It is definitely Jack Kirby's most forgettable work by far. Yeah, like far and away. Other than like you know that Magneto costume, which has prevailed. Rules. Um, (laughs) but like you know, they were on. They were on it for. Well, Stan was at least on it for twenty issues, and then he passed it on to his protege Roy Thomas. Who brought in Neil Adams, and they that'll help. Uh, you know, that sales helps. faltered, but they would bring it up a little bit. They introduced Havoc and Polaris and Sauron. Um, Hell yeah, yeah, my favorite pterodactyls. Speaking guy. of pterodactyls, uh, <laughs> speaking of green monsters and purple pants, yeah. Um, <laughs> but at issue sixty-six, the book would be canceled, um, and it would go on for. 30 issues of reprints until issue 93 wow. it was reprints for five years i think um and then they were they decided to do to revive it by bringing in um len Wein and dave cockrum uh to do giant size where cockrum who was going to do uh legion of superheroes at dc take some of his old character designs for Legion and combine them or rearrange them to get Storm and Nightcrawler and Colossus and um, and then they would bring back old villains like Banshee and Sunfire to be on the team. Um, and then Chris Claremont, who I, don't, I forget if he was on a book at that point, if he was just kind of like an intern at Marvel, he, uh, he would take up writing duty after giant size and it would change comic books forever uh the uh gene gray was claremont's favorite character of the of the original team but she had like no personality she was just like the damsel in distress <laughs> and like she was the girl she she was she the- was the she was the Sue Storm. It was just right. like, I'm the girl here. She was the character right. that, that other, the other characters would mansplain the plot to. Right. Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Uh, she even tried to quit and like kind of go part-time. Like She went to college and became a fashion model. Um, any- you, you say it like, like she chose to do those things. Like who, yeah, well, who you was know. writing... <laughs> she was fed up She's so like, she would just leave and I'm fed up being mansplained to <laughs> by Stanley. <laughs> uh but Claremont would uh you know th- he reintroduced her in like 97 in issue 97 or 98 and they went into space and in is- issue 100 they fought uh robots made by Stephen Lang that were the like uh doppelganger robots of the original X-Men team. And they were in space, and then after the station that they were on blew up, they were in the shuttle trying to get home. And the, they were hit by cosmic radiation, and Classic. they had to get into this area uh, to survive the radiation, but someone had to pilot the ship. And Jean Grey is 
now under the control of Claremont and allowed to do things. So she's like, all of you are going to go in, you know, save yourselves, and I'm going to pilot the ship because no one else is powerful enough to. So she holds the ship together, and they crash land into the Jamaica Bay, and they all survive thanks to Jean. And out comes the water, out of the water comes the Phoenix in a completely different costume, and now is the most powerful superhero in Marvel. And it, I like that she got a new outfit out of all this. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, Gotta get new that's prints. what cosmic power does, baby. Makes it fashionable. <laughs> Gives you a brand, <laughs> yeah, a brand yeah. new fit. Um. So then, uh, you know, they ha- they Jean suddenly becomes like the most powerful superhero, and <laughs> it her she essentially goes from like you know a uh, a stack of dynamite to a nuke in terms of power level, <laughs> and doesn't really know how to grapple with that. And then uh, she'd go to space and uh, issues like 106 to 108 are the Mcron crystal arc where uh, the Mcron crystal is like this um, nexus of all reality portal. And uh, Lalandra's brother is going to use it to blow up the universe. And she keeps it all together and stops them and touches every living being on the planet and is like messing with people's life force. And it is an amazing arc but uh and then uh suddenly you know she's just so powerful so claremont starts seeding this like story of you know what that power is ultimately going to lead to that's how we get the dark phoenix saga of you know the pretty much one of the biggest stories in x-men's history but it the x-men forever changed under claremont you know the the biggest thing is that they fuck now. It's like the <laughs> he made the book so soap opery. Like he was so interested in um the characters' connections between each other. It's so different than anything before. We had talked about Yeah, it's it's the legacy of X-Men being just like <laughs> qu- queer like Right in fucking like the whole thing is just like a messy queer family because yeah. of Claremont <laughs> being these so people like yeah, it's the theater kid lunch table of, of yeah, yeah yeah it's like these people just trying to fucking survive and living together right. and like just you know grappling with that and like it uh it's great it it takes that kind of we were talking about how Stan Lee's books were different than DC's and the wider comic market because he would you know give like emotional like character beats and stuff but Claremont really perfected that and really the people would like describe Claremont's perfect issue is just 22 pages of the X-Men talking and it, it's it's true it's it's like you know yeah really interested in uh building these characters up and I mean and and Claremont would go on to write this book for 16 years with an insane amount of time that (laughs) will never happen again at Marvel or DC. (laughs) That's like not even counting his New Mutants run too, right? Like that's a separate thing. And his Excalibur. He wrote New Mutants and Excalibur also during that time. And and Iron Fist (laughs) and Captain Marvel. He's the reason why um, Carol Danvers has like good characterization 
after yeah they mess with her. He's got a tight. He's, he's kind of he's like a fixer because like it's like you give him a a, a really paper thin one dimensional character, and he can like find a way to care about that character and give them meaning and and, and made flesh them a and god bone. made them yeah. god tier yeah yeah and like made made like she's scary like cyclops <laughs> is afraid of her in several moments oh everyone point. is oh yeah yeah constantly well and then also it's crazy i mean like so they uh we can like get into the book but this this arc is preceded by like 10 issues of mastermind's plot of um fucking with her fucking with well yeah like you know uh but like it's it's essentially what he's doing unknowingly is like tapping a nuke with a with a stick like yeah right. they, they have no idea the the power that yeah. they just wrought like yeah yeah he's just over here like this would be kind of fun but it's like yeah, oh, he's, oh, yeah, he's oh, just oh, doing honey. it for like oh i want this hot chick to fucking be with me and they'll be on our side and that's like all of his motivation. Right. Yeah, he's going to the Ghostbusters and fucking with their containment unit. <laughs> yeah. He's no idea. Yeah, no clue they, what he's they, fucking. I don't I don't I think it's in this book they mentioned that like she's Galactus level. Yeah. Like yeah. Marvel mentioned that- hadn't had a character this powerful besides Galactus and a few others at this time. This is 75, I think. My my favorite moment was there's there was one point where Scott and Gene are wearing civilian clothes, and then Gene just like psionically changes their clothes, yep. and Scott's just like, "Okay, I'm wearing different clothes now. Try not to freak out." She like, does that a few times because like, there's one later on when she's like teetering on the edge when they like go off, and she like takes all of their clothes off. Basically, yeah, like, Yo, we're gonna fuck well, this, now. Th- th- <laughs> I think uh, Scott's like, like "Holy ask- shit!" I think like it's cool, but like, ask me first. I think this yeah. arc starts the. Uh, kind of trope of when they kiss, she holds back his power, which is just yeah. an yeah. awesome detail that keeps going. It's like such a cool, like really intimate uh, gesture. I think it's a cool. I think it's a really cool way, since he's a considered a powerful mutant. Like it's a cool way to also show her level of power and just such a small, sh- like kind of like and a- no outside sweat. of a combat exactly yeah thing yeah like, exactly yeah. Her- and it's like not even a big deal. It's like. He's like, oh no, I'll kill everyone if I do this. Like, right, bitch. And no, this I got is this. a this. Th- it's a big deal for Scott too because he's so traumatized yeah. by his power at all times. Yeah. He he is so crippled by that. Um, a lot. Right. Like it's a big it's a big worry for him that he's gonna hurt someone. Um, that's a big deal for her, her to like take that away f- for even like a right. little bit. Yeah, like that's a that's a really big deal for that. Like, and it's, they do that a lot, I think, in this particular arc. And she, to some she of does, it, she's like a little like more aggressive and forward because like she's like again she's teetering on the edge and he's like uh, all right, right. Well, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. she crosses the line of consent a number of times like she yeah. just like brainwashes Kitty's parents mm-hmm. into being okay with them just taking it, her away in the like, in the first issue yeah. or the second issue I think yeah she uh, her dad Kitty's dad isn't going to let her join xavier's group and he just changes yeah, and her she's mind just like, he's like oh yeah we xavier and i do it all the time it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> and he's like Ooh, maybe uh, not the best person to learn that Ooh. from it's like maybe my girlfriend shouldn't be someone that can just make me change my mind <laughs> well like right right before that we kind of meet catch up with xavier again and he's just like a 
total like dickhead manipulative prick yeah. and even an scott's asshole. like this guy sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was we were, that first issue uh it's kind of like one of the first times that xavier meets the new team because yeah. um like xavier like goes to xavier goes to space for a while to marry or you know be with alondra and sure uh he, hey, he's got to fuck a bird lady. It's yeah, fine. He hasn't like spent a lot, hey. lot of time with the new team and Scott, he's like trying to like control them in the danger room and like tell them how to fight. And Scott's like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You, don't, you know, you don't Wolverine's a grown ass man, right? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why you know are you Wolverine's telling Wolverine? older than you are, right? You know, like, Wolverine will kill all of us. It, right? it was yeah. interesting <laughs> to me because like. Just one bad dream and he'll rip us all apart. <laughs> Xavier has never yeah. been characterized like well in my mind he's always been a dick like there's that kind oh, of he's yeah. never been a nurturer that kind of like right? fatherly yeah. figure is kind of like an ideal that they have but with, i feel like that's an idea that's perpetrated more so in other media yeah patrick like, every patrick time stewart, i read x-men he helped right patrick stewart being xavier probably helped because like every comic i like i've read a ton of x-men but like the things i have read xavier's pretty much this guy all the time all the time <laughs> like, there's a he's never been a good there's dude. a long arc in the original 60s stuff where he just pretends to be dead to fuck with them <laughs> he just <laughs> does that and it's like yeah what a dick it's like just i, to test I wanted to see what you would do oh, if they i talk was about dead that. yeah and it's yeah. like yeah you put us through emotional trauma that's what you would do Th- thanks for the trauma dad like <laughs> jesus yeah, these, emotional damage the, that, that's the other thing is like these these people look up to him like a father especially scott like you can't just do that yeah, the the orphan child right yeah 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 he might have some issue with you pretending to be yeah. dead dad jesus christ <laughs> i will say these first two issues we meet we get two new mutants we meet kitty and or maybe not new new, but we meet Kitty and Dazzler. Um, but I well, love and these... Emma. That's also Emma's yeah. first. Yeah, this, I was, okay, I was basically going to say it's I... the White Queen. She's a character in this book. We don't need to get into it. I know. <laughs> I just loved. I loved the Hellfire uh, Club minions. Dude, and they're the ship. best. They're so good. The best. <laughs> Honestly, um, that that Wolverine issue is one of my like top ten favorite issues of X. Oh, when he's fighting all the minions just, in the just Hellfire these like Club? little crash test dummy guys, and he's just like <laughs> so just the perfect looking henchmen. Like you, they yeah. look like one punch dickheads. Like oh, yeah, they look they, like putties. Kind I love of. it. Yeah, like they there's do. a button on their chest that makes all their arms mm-hmm. and legs pop yeah. off. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Again, like they. Sh- they've tapped into Cere- uh, the, the danger room and like know everything that's going on. So they have these robots that know how to fucking fight all of them. I, so like they really get the drop. I will on say them in these first few yeah, issues, I, I will say as much as I don't care for Emma's characterization in, in this book, uh, because it, it, she's as about as fleshed out as a plank of wood. Um, yeah, pretty much. I yeah. Do, she's just, she's just a minion. At I, this I, point. She's cartoonishly evil. Yeah, sure. I, I do <laughs> like that. She, her introduction is her just dropping Wolverine, Colossus and storm, like three, three super mm-hmm. powerful characters that we've known for a long time. They're just incapacitated and done. And just like takes them fucking prisoner. Right. Yeah. And like, it's fucking, yeah. Like it's nothing. It has them like nailed up to some kinky shit. Like she has storm yeah. and like. And yeah, I get, mean everything uh, in the Hellfire too. Club is kinky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get yeah, she's got freaking storm on like on the fucking uh, 
mana cross thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how I, this is a great introduction to. I feel like right from the jump, you get a great characterization of Kitty Pride too. Yeah. Like, her just kind of trying to help out, but not knowing how to, but like really wanting to help all these people that she just met. One of which she found very handsome. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yeah, and she's just immediately best friends with Storm. She's like, I have to save Storm. She's my friend. It's like, you met best her Best friends for with Storm and minutes. already wants to and- fuck Colossus. Oh, yeah, of course. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Colossus is like a grown-ass man in this. She's oh, yeah, 13 and a half. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, she yeah well, she's she like, says, oh, he's cute. She says it a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. I like how there's this thing where like Colossus does something really crazy in his steel form. And there's this bit right after it happens where she's like, that was really neat, Colossus. And he's like, it was? <laughs> it's like, dude, you're, you're made out of steel. Of course it was neat. Yeah, like, how like, is that? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen on. you at all? Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Really? I'm neat? It's, you think I'm neat? It's funny because Colossus had just come off of uh, murdering someone. So in this arc, yeah. he's like really sad. Yeah, yeah. Because he murders Proteus by just sticking his arms in him. He just, just the energy of Proteus goes like, and he, I think he does reflect on it like once in this, but. He does right at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, uh, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, am I a bad person? They're like on Murrah Island in the beginning of this, mm-hmm. leaving Moira. I love the slow burn of this arc, how they've interspersed like, these classic X-Men story battles with the Hellfire uh, Club. Because that's really like most of the... And then in between, you're seeing this de-evolution of Gene slowly go to the Dark Phoenix and like unlock that power. And I thought it was... I was like, okay. Because like reading this for the first time, I'm like, where's the Dark Phoenix at? And then it's like, I'm like, okay, this is really like building. And it's like, because it's really, like, not to the last couple issues where it really hits, like, the crescendo, but it's really well done when you realize, like, in its entirety, like, you get these awesome X-Men stories in between her getting these ridiculous power unlocks along and, the way. And there's, like, the, this, like, subplot of, like, an 18th century, like, uh, romance novel. Like, she has these, like, yeah. there's, like, Mr. Darcy moments. Yeah, because, like, yeah, what's, um, what, what's his name? Jason um, Wingard. Well, yeah, Mastermind. D- yeah. Mastermind. Mastermind is fucking with her head to making her think that she's like her ancestor and is in love from like the 1800s and she's like in love with this this uh Wingard guy this this gentleman caller if you will but like it affects everybody so like they see like uh all the X-Men like Storm she sees as like an escaped slave and she treats her as such as like damn this got yeah. brutal <laughs> So, and then, like, it, it keeps blipping back and forth. Like, there's one point where, like, when they're they're trying to get to Dazzler and they're in the disco, she sees this Wingard guy and, like, flips into that reality and they're, like, kissing. And then Scott walks up like, yo, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that happens and, and It's like, well, He's Scott, like, uh... you better get used to this because... <laughs> yeah, the, the Dark Phoenix saga is, like, right, right. is ultimately the kind of the, awesome. the climax of... Uh, everything that Claremont had worked up to with Jean up to this point. It's really Jean's story of grappling with her new power and also grappling with assault because of Mastermind. And he, and she, I mean, she fucks Mastermind up, makes him 
see oh, yeah. the Dude. universe <laughs> and just fucking makes him brain yeah. dead, basically. But the, yeah, like shit was the awesome. The important <laughs> thing to keep in mind, which is something I, I wanted to bring up and is very important for this story and to keep in mind, is that at this point when Claremont is writing this, there is no Phoenix Force. Phoenix is Gene and just a, mm. a, like a kind of like a mental unlock in her brain of her getting powered up. Not, it's not an external It's force. not some kind of... It's not... Para- it's not a space bird. Right. It's, they, it. they did, DC it. did the same thing with Parallax and Hal, where Hal Jordan became evil and killed, killed right. everyone, and then they were like, oh, no, he was being possessed. And so <laughs> what happened was uh, they, wrote, they were writing this story and they were writing kind of the Dark Phoenix saga as the end point, and then um, Jim Shooter which we talked about last episode, how he's a very infamous editor. He got the rough draft <laughs> for issue 137, and he saw that she committed genocide, essentially, you know, killed the star system, and was like, oh, well, she needs to be, uh, she needs to be reprimanded for that. And mm-hmm. so they kind of thought internally a long time about what to do. And... There's like rough draft pages of her getting lobotomized and put into a mental asylum. Oh and my God. they also Christ. wanted to put her in like prison and have her be tortured. But like Claremont was like, we can't do that. They would just try every issue to get her out. Like they're not going to accept that. Um, just put, right. just put a, a power dampening collar on her. <laughs> uh, so it, problem solved. But in my mind, this story, and I love it. And, I think the Phoenix Force ruins it, uh, which is why I'm glad that the Phoenix Force isn't a part of it. It's just later the Phoenix becomes such a messy concept within Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like easier, as like, you know, like I just want people, if you're going to read this to, uh, you know, enjoy it, uh, just kind of take the Phoenix Force and put it in a, box and yeah. in the corner. Th- think of it as the way that, that Claremont intended it as just being right. Gene's next evolution. It, it's just a shame because Gene is such an interesting character and part of her depth is with the Phoenix and her grappling with the Phoenix and then the Phoenix Force ultimately just becomes a marketing gimmick to where now uh, Echo from the Avengers has it which is like, why? It doesn't... Yeah, what the fuck? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to have it be some weird cosmic like thing like Galactus that is it's like it's cool maybe in one story it's Thor's mom right yeah they, they just made it so weird but like in this story it works so much better if it's just a story of Jean and how she you know is kind of haunted by this like powerful version of herself and what she's capable yeah, making of making it I've never really thought about it that way but like making making the Phoenix its own separate entity really takes the character building and the autonomy that Claremont gave her away. Mm -hmm. Like it really, it just makes, not only was she being manipulated by mastermind, she's also being manipulated by this other thing. And then none of her development and trauma and everything she experiences in this story matters because it was always just some other thing. Yeah. Uh, I know that never really occurred to me that way. Yeah. It kind of cheapens it and yeah, that sucks. But the story is great, uh, <laughs> right. the way it was written originally. I, and like, it's, all, it's, it's just the retcons after that. that it, it's it, comics, yeah. so it's like you kind of just have to go along 
with whatever. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to, you know, choose to read this book and not add any of what comes next for the Phoenix into this because it, you know, it's not what was planned at the time and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah this no, is a, like, it's great. You're reading that, like, not knowing that complex history, like, this still reads fucking awesome. Like, it just reads, like you well, said, an evolution of this character that's just transcended what mutant power was at the well, time. Well, the, the, I mean, the Phoenix reveal, the Dark Phoenix reveal is so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Just, absolutely. She goes through this horrendous ordeal and is pushed to the limit, murders Emma, just annihilates Emma, um, <laughs> and then kind of succumbs to the, the power because the power is like what's real, like, the Dark Phoenix is the story of, you know, absolute power corrupting absolutely. Um, uh, yep. And you suddenly have this character that's been around since the 60s who was this, like, you know, he was like the, the typical girl character in quotes. Um, yeah, the girl next door. Right. She was. And you know. suddenly now she's Galactus murdering everyone. It's, <laughs> right. it's incredible, right. especially for, 70, for 1975. Like, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it's like such a turn, like you said, it's like a building and like you have these pages of her just showing that power, even in small snippets when she's like, all right, mastermind, here you go. And right. just like turns him into a drooling yeah, mess. She, she's terrified. She's like, oh, you want to mess with people's brains? Is that what go. we're doing? Is that what we're allowed to do <laughs> yeah. now? She, well, exactly. guess what, dick face? She's terrifying and badass. Yeah. And she turns a tree to gold for some reason. She just has, just has that. For, yeah. Oh, for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like Why the, not? the, the way they show, like, she has all of just, like, almost, just like you said, like, unlimited power here. Yeah. Like, the only thing that can stop her is her. Like, it's kind of crazy. Because <laughs> she, like, that next issue, they fight all of them, and she, like, turns their powers off. Yep. Um, and just dismantles them. Like I said, a tree falls on them. It's like, oh, we're lifting it up. She's like, no, you're not. It's gold now. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, all right. What the fuck? And just like turns Colossus's powers off and like all this shit. Like, it's crazy. And like two pages just like wipes the floor with the fucking And then, and then goes into space and blows up a star system. There's a, a yeah. quote by Claremont of her destroying that those five billion people was essentially her trying to cosmically crank one out. It was like <laughs> trying to achieve the, the biggest like cosmic orgasm that she could. What? I kind of find that interesting. She's turned into this like pure id, like just right. seeking this pleasure exactly. um, and just doesn't know where to find it. And like this, that page with the Phoenix with the talons around like the sun is fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> and um, so cool. One thirty five. Uh, issue 135, the cover is Dark Phoenix grabbing the X-Men logo, and her fingers yeah. are, like, crumbling it. It's one of my I favorite covers cover. ever. It's like, I know this, that cover, and I've never right. read this. Like, that, that's, like, one of those iconic covers. This, this mm-hmm. run has a lot of really great covers. Like, it has, uh, I think it's 138 with Wolverine versus the, uh, the Hellfire Club goons. That's it's a, such a 133. Great cover. 133. Yeah. Such a great Dude, cover. That was a great that, issue. That was the, just going through the sewers. Yeah. And fighting that's dudes. the first so solo Wolverine cover, and that is like one of his first solo stories. He like I, I love the like he fights Harry Leland from the Hellfire Gala or the Hellfire Club, and he like uses his gravity powers to 
force Wolverine all the way down into the sewer, and he has to he has to fight his way up. Fight his way back yeah. up, because of course he does. And, and like it, <laughs> that issue is like a lot of narration of Wolverine, like inner monologue, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I it, like I always say that my headcanon voice for Wolverine is the voice actor from the '90s cartoon, but like mm. now more than ever in this series, like he's yeah. he's got that like that whispery, growly voice. Well, and I mean, we could talk about how Claremont pretty much created the bedrock foundation for all of these characters and what their characteristics are but wolverine especially took him from like you know he's his character is so gruff and like one-dimensional in the in the beginning and then really starts to like as he gets fleshed out like claremont it's like wolverine claremont wolverine is like you know the the gold standard for there are there are also these weird little Easter eggs of um, Wolverine being cute in this book. <laughs> like, there's this one panel I, that caught me off guard where it, they're all on the the Blackbird, and it's one of those those panels where it's like introducing everybody because it's like one of the first three pages, and the only one who has a pillow at his seat is Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was another he another wants to be comfy another yeah. panel where like there. They were st- they were just gotten out of the sewer, and Wolverine is peeking up out of the manhole cover, and it's just the cutest fucking thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good, uh, good shit. This is great. Yeah, it, but this reading this for the first time, this was definitely one to get, good one to get under the belt. It, and I've I've talked about it how like I I I, I remember saying that it was hard to talk about like a specific section of Claremont without kind of because you kind of miss out on context and I do think this is like one of the better stories I mean this is for a lot of people's money the most famous X-Men story ever um and one that the movies have tried to haphazardly recreate a bunch um yeah there's there's (laughs) a reason that the movies can't do it right it's because it's like it it builds on all, right. all the development he'd been doing before that, and like you yeah, can't just hard throw in. It's, it's hard with Claremont yeah. because yeah. it it is the issues are super you know new reader friendly of you know catching you up, and I totally agree. I just for me personally, I didn't get all I didn't get the most out of the Dark Phoenix saga until I read the beginning of Claremont to you know to pass the Dark Phoenix like. I, I think um, there is a certain joy, like, you know, it's hard recommending 16 years worth of comics to someone, but uh, <laughs> right. there, there's a certain, right. like, there's a certain um, singleness and narrow, like, kind of uh, brilliance to the run as a whole, where as you read along, it's, it does reward you for sticking with it. And, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going through i mean like after this cyclops leaves and storm takes over and this is i mean no one has written uh storm better than claremont and like this is some of the that's some of the best stuff some of the best things in claremont aren't like really famous arcs they're just single issues that happen along the run Mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't know it's hard to talk yeah yeah i think claremont Claremont shines everything Claremont shines in the quiet moments. 
it's the it's the the character beats. It's not necessarily like the arcs are great and the like the writing in those arcs is incredible, but it's you wouldn't give a shit about like the big uh, like reveal of Dark Phoenix if it there wasn't so much like quiet like character beats before yeah. that. Yeah, he's doing arc. a lot of he's doing a lot of work in the issues that are quote unquote don't matter as much because they're not in these big sagas. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's which means they all matter. Well, and yeah, it, it's exactly. the it's something that current comic writers don't really get a whole lot of time to do, which is you know you get to see right. storylines and plot and build stuff. Like we were talking about how Dark Phoenix Saga is pretty much the culmination of everything he was building with Gene. Um, there's a lots of stories like that. His big climactic arcs are the result of lots of um, uh, lots of you know character uh, like plot seating so right which is great like you said that's awesome when you get that payoff but like that's so rare nowadays just because the industry is just so different yeah so it it's it's great to see it i mean we're we're kind of we're kind of in a renaissance of that right now with x-men of like people not letting it I mean, so much of it is just like the editors and the the like executives having faith in a creator reaching their potential. So just like give them enough time to do that. Yeah, exactly. You can't yeah. you can't have this like epic perfect thing in in a single five issue story arc that's neatly packaged into a trade paperback. Sometimes it's gonna take you know, like uh we were talking about Jonathan yeah. Hickman's X or Fantastic Four specifically, yeah. uh perfect run incredible and it was supposed to culminate in that event but they're like no the event needs to be exactly seven issues and he's like i'll do nine and it's not gonna end well right. <laughs> you know like <laughs> it, like that could have been a potential to be like this incredible epic but they're like no it needs to be it needs to fit in this little box and like it's always i think yeah it doesn't work that way especially with like the movies and everything every uh just the whole corporate you know versus the artist gonna yeah gonna run into problems yeah the story takes as long as it needs to take you right. can't fit it into two hours necessarily like that's just not how shit works all the time yeah and that that's why claremont's run is so uh so good and so foundational is that he was he was given the ultimate runway to tell they're like, yeah, book. we don't give a shit what you do with this book. It's already canceled. <laughs> it, it was the best, right. like, best time, like, to do that because you would have never gotten as long as you did. Uh, I mean, shit. All a lot of the books we've talked about on the show are books that were not necessarily like canceled and like, but like, just Animal in Man. obscurity. Animal Man, just yes. yeah, in obscurity. The question, just just languishing mm -hmm. in obscurity. Uh, some like writer was thrown a bone to like take it, and then mm -hmm. yeah, and then it just yeah. it turns, turns it into out to be one of the great yeah exactly well, Doom Patrol, and yeah. this is the ultimate Ugh, story of that because he took the X Men from thirty issues of reprints to arguably the biggest comic franchise in the world. I mean, I I think it had like X Men number be. one in the 90s with Claremont and Jim Lee is the best-selling comic of all time for a long, long time. 
and I've got the dollar boxes to prove and, it. And yeah, because they, was... they, they, they also printed 7 billion right. copies, so that certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> and everyone bought 15, so that was... and then they all sold them back to me, and now I have too many copies. But that was a, a decade-plus into his run, and he was still selling books like that. That's crazy. Like, yeah, that's it's awesome. unheard of. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, the longevity of that, that's on one book, like you said. Like, that's... You could impressive have, in any You medium. could have started reading X-Men in middle school and gone a college degree by and the same person would still be reading or still writing X-Men. <laughs> I, yeah, that's like said, so comforting. That is such it, a comforting is, yeah. thought. Yeah. And that's just like doesn't happen in any media anymore really. Like that's just not something that we no, see yeah. anymore. I don't know. I mean like you, you could say that it's about rare. Vince Gilligan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in a way. Well, he had a break there, and it's technically two shows, so not really. Uh, but you know, <laughs> when and clear, and even still, that's eleven seasons. It's still not even as long. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's mm. not. But like, that's probably your cab. It's still like, and but like, that's the exception, right? There's not that many of those types of things anymore. I mean, like, even the Simpsons have have traded hands, like showrunners and top. Yeah, can you imagine if the same crew? started and we're still writing it like that would be i mean insane. also if you it would help too like having bill oakley back on simpsons <laughs> would certainly would. help <laughs> also if you think about the fact that claremont wrote uh new mutants and excalibur at the same time i mean for significantly shorter amount of issues but but still it's fucking that's mind-blowing though that's an insane amount it, of here's output. the here's the here's all of the foundation for x-men the, the dude go, just wanted to write comics and and like you know, they weren't the they the they were so isolated from the rest of Marvel that Marvel just let them just let them go. Uh, eh. I guess when you don't have to worry about you only have to worry about your continuity and there's no tie-in shit, it becomes really easy to just kind of like do your thing, yeah. right? And, and it's such an interesting uh, kind of bred this interesting fan base where the X Men X Men fans are kind of wholly isolated from marvel fans in general where it's like the, their books don't cross over into the into the main universe a whole lot not you know like you i, I don't know if I, I would be curious to see if like people who want to get into marvel if they kind of like read a book and kind of expect the x-men to like pop up like occasionally because they don't right. a ton of times i mean we're reading judgment day right now where they are but that doesn't happen all the time they're so isolated. Yeah, you get like you get like Wolverine, right. and that's it. Well, I mean, we've gotten yeah. more of it lately, but um, yeah, it, like like Sean said, you get X Men on teams, like you get Beast on the Avengers for a while. Yeah. You get Wolverine as an or, Avenger uh, for a while. Angel and Iceman on the Champions. <laughs> yeah, nice. uh, but <laughs> it's like it's interesting because it created kind of like there are just X Men fans who aren't necessarily comic book fans overall, but they're like the, I love they, X-Men. the fan base was so fervent that like they existed way past uh without having movies or anything like people still know it's, who the x-men are it's also this might just That's be true. a microcosm in my shop but um there are i'd say about like five or six customers that only do x-men and they do all x-men right, right? Exactly. it's like it's like there's a new mm-hmm. x-men title i gotta put it down for these five people and i don't I don't, 
it seems like it's got to be more common everywhere else, uh, but every single one of them is gay. So it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, we have we have. I was a about to be like, you know, portion. that was that was me for a long time. That was my pull. For yeah, a you're while. the exception. You're the mm. you're the token straight of it's the X Men. My, my pull for a while was like, give me everything X Men and anything that has Tank Girl in it, and like that. Yeah, that's no, the you're same just a lesbian as every lesbian <laughs> I've ever met. It, it's funny. Yeah, you're just. You're just it's a funny, Casey, uh, because when I first got really into uh, Emma, I kind of like no one at my shop really um liked her as much as i did and i was like you know trying to like bouncing opinions off of people and it was kind of hard to find a conversation until i got more online and then i found like a, there's just a community of people that were her fans but they were like it was like the queer community and i was like yeah absolutely. oh that makes oh that 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 works and that that's awesome and I tell me Emma's not a <laughs> yeah. drag icon and I will call you a liar. I, I was like, it's great too, because they, I mean, they love her as much as I do. And it, it, it's like that, that is their character to the death. And it's great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, it and like I X-Men think X-Men has one of those for like, th- that's also the other oh, yeah. thing too. Part you of can, what makes you can pick great. your, you can pick your character yeah. that you latch on to. You know, mm-hmm. mine mine is uh is Kitty, honestly. Like I right. fucking and, love her to death. And this and this whole introduction. <laughs> of course it is. Classic, I think, classic I think, character. Uh, well I have this opinion about Just kidding, uh, it's beat. I, I have this opinion about just media in general, but finding a favorite character, especially with X Men, is such a rewarding yeah. uh thing because suddenly you have this like personal connection that you wanna like uh explore and there's so there's decades of content oh yeah you know good or bad right but right. still it's yeah <laughs> it's still good yeah like it's it's still content for characters you really enjoy as much as i you know as much as i recommend reading like you know big hit things i also recommend finding a character you really enjoy and just reading something that involves them because i think that is such right. a rewarding way to get into comics and to further your comic journey because i i love i pretty much i did that with doom patrol i like latched right. on to a lot of those characters and i'm like yo give me all of this exactly yeah because like, yeah, I, I love these well, characters and i just i did it with daredevil when i was first getting started i mean i've been yeah, i've been was... on and off that train with wolverine for years and years i mean to like, to me yeah. having a favorite character isn't like even though you could read something that ne- isn't necessarily the best story with them you could still there could still be a line or an action or something that adds yep. to why you like them so much, yeah, or reminds you about why you exactly. like them so much. Like like you're like oh man, that's a classic Wolverine. Well, right uh, every time yeah. I take a break from reading X Men and I read other things, it takes one X Men comic to remind me why I love them so much. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just immediately back. I get like, that. Like it's when we were talking about X Men Red with Magneto you know, and getting his heart ripped out, like, that story just made me, remind me of, like, why Magneto's, like, my second favorite character ever. It's, yeah. There, there's so many, I, I love doing that, like, just going and following your favorite character, and so. It's great. Hell yeah. Fucking Claremont X-Men, we did it. We didn't it. really talk about the book <laughs> about, too much. About time. We we got there. Well, I, I mean, mean, we we hit the. Did we did we get to the death? No, we did didn't we, talk about we any didn't of the, the, the we didn't, being on trial for war crimes. 
Well, like, <laughs> like we kind of talked, but like, I love how the end of this book is like, it's not a phoenix. She's not possessed. She's like, oh, I'm too powerful. The only person that can kill me is. Yeah, is me. she gets. Or maybe Wolverine if I'm horny enough. <laughs> he tried and he fucking, he, he couldn't do it. He pulled back. Honestly, I think, uh, like, Claremont didn't want to kill her. Uh, obviously, because it's like, it's yeah. like his favorite character and like, he just made her super powerful. So like, why would you want to get rid of that fun, like new dynamic you just created? Yeah. But honestly, I think of all the proposed options, having her go out on her own terms and like, yeah, I, I think that is probably one of the better options. That yeah, that was the only way that it was still going to give her the, uh, the, the, the story focus and the autonomy. Mm -hmm. If she had yeah. to be taken mm -hmm. down by everybody else, it would have been a, like a messy mean death yeah and this one it is would have cut the power a little bit right yeah mm -hmm. and, and this one is like yeah like she's the most powerful still and she's mm -hmm. reconciling her own mistakes on her terms right. like rj said so it's yeah. like yeah that's the only way yeah, it could have happened that it still involved her dying <laughs> i love how they do this big war crime trial with like the scrolls and the kree and all this <laughs> shit and like they're they're in this fucking gladiator battle, and this whole time she's basically playing possum so she could get to a point where she could fucking just take herself out. Fucking, it was it was really cool. <laughs> I like how I mean, while just showing how powerful he is, just kicking the oh, shit yeah. out of people. And she really took herself out; like she was just a black spot by the end of it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> as someone who kind of struggles with Jean as a character, probably just being an Emma fan, but like, uh, I think. It, she's a hard character to write and uh i really enjoy this arc i think this is one of my favorite versions of the character i like having characters that in theory are all powerful you tend to want to fall into that hole without making them actual people mm. yep and I, f I feel like claremont did a really good job of making her a person first and then cranked up the power which made it you know, obviously makes it a lot more impactful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why the movies always get it wrong, right? Like the second they, they do it the other way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like exactly. Or or she's a character for like a movie and she's just like the mom of the group for some reason that you don't really care about except Wolverine wants to fuck her. And then like <laughs> and then she gets super powerful and it's just it's like, too quick. Like, the char yeah. the character is gone. Like she's she's possessed, number one. So like you don't even yeah. get the characterization of her through that and then yeah so it's it's yeah the subtleties of it is what makes it good it, yeah it like the slow have, burn like this yeah. is almost um like almost 10 issues this whole thing like that really ranks ramped up like the tension and like the drama and the build well up, i think like, it's uh yes yeah, it's, it's one of those things i think where uh it unlike a lot of the stories that came after where they kind of try to copy the dark phoenix saga you actually yeah. empathize a lot with her and like you know the, yeah you actually go on you, you you know there's like emotion there and you feel connected to her absolutely uh way more than like you know people when people copy it it tends to go awry <laughs> yeah it, you, it's hard to hit that nail on the head i will say i will i have to point out uh claremont did make the watcher just watch so i liked that yeah that is that is a he, good, good i love move. That, that part where wolverine goes just like yeah, goes but then house. he makes wolverine go to the jurassic period 
And then to like a space age, and then he's like, "You're not welcome here." And it just like yeah. then kicks him out of his house. Yeah, that shit was hilarious. But like, he, yeah, I don't know, like why he he like did that like to like warn him to like not come yeah. back. It's like maybe just like all right, <laughs> it just felt unnecessary. Yeah, but like it, he didn't he didn't just give him a uh, a, well, a that's phoenix what I it was eraser gonna... gun. I thought that's what it was going to happen after reading Fantastic Four and like a couple other things. Right. I was like, oh my God, did Wolverine walk past the thing that is going to be used to take uh, out genes? Like, no, thank That's what I, that's where my brain went with it. This, of like, look, I normally Claremont don't do did this, not go but there. like, let's face it, I right. do this all the time. Here's a plot yeah. device to get you out of this pickle that you've got yourself in. I also like that this book. <laughs> See ya. I also like that this book kind of, um, in a bubble, is kind of. One of the things I really like about X-Men where you can do pretty much any genre and Claremont loved yeah. doing that. You could do the weird, like, uh, you know, Wingard mental projections of the weird, like, romance novel that Gene is stuck in and you can do... Yeah, it's literally bouncing back and forth between a Jane Austen novel and Starship Right, Troopers. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can do grand sci-fi. Yeah, There's awesome. also whatever the fuck the Dazzler issue is. Which we didn't even talk awesome. about because it's like kind of there. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like them trying to recruit, but it's like a heist plus like a fucking just like classic X-Men fighting yeah. henchmen shit. Like it's fucking it's well, great. And you get and you see like the 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 planting the seeds of the Sentinels and Dazzler is a is a mm-hmm. crazy character because for some reason she's in this book, but she was a character that was initially conceptualized with along with Casablanca Records. And they were going to do a um, a movie and like a a music tour, and um, like Bo Derek wanted the player, so they kind of changed how she looked. Uh, hmm, and then weird. Uh, she ended up getting like a forty issue series after this because she doesn't join the X Men. Wow. Um, yeah, she's just like yeah. That. It's such a crazy like weird seventies marvel title that like kind of goes on unnoticed and then she will end up joining back with the x-men and it, it's such she's such an interesting character but it's like she's just kind of in this arc and but like and and it's just gone <laughs> it's like yeah like them going to find dazzler is just like a setup for the hellfire right and shit. then all that stuff happens it's, and it's, it's like strange. do you want to join the x-men it's like uh no no Fuck i no. don't which is <laughs> Kitty's like, Kitty's like, uh, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Well, and then Kitty do will join, or, or maybe Jean brainwashed me into wanting to. Who knows anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, but but speaking of the the Bo Derek playing the Dazzler, there was a, a short period of time where Bob Hoskins was in talks about being Wolverine. Oh my, in, like the honestly, my fucking perfect. It my God, been so Jesus good. Christ. And like he wouldn't be able to drop the English accent because he never is. It's so funny. Well, in the cartoon, he's got an Australian one, doesn't he? For one episode. Oh, okay. That's funny. Yeah, in the pilot, they had a different voice actor who who played him as Australian, and then they got an Irish voice actor who who ended up doing that voice. It's crazy that 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 cartoon is like a lot of people's gateway into X-Men and I that was it was never that for me. I've only like yeah, seen I would it a say little bit. That's the large 
That's the large majority. Yeah. I think it was this. It was the second stop on that train for me. For me, it was the the Fleer Ultra cards, mm. then the cartoon, and <laughs> yeah. then I learned to read, and then it was the comics. The, the cartoon was the uh, introduction for me, but I, I pretty yeah, quickly same. got to comics too. I love um, that in the um, the arcade game. Oh, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Magneto, Master <laughs> of Magnet. Uh, mine was the Colossus um, would just power up all the time. Yeah. My my first entry in X Men was the uh, Chuck Austin run and the Son of the Draco. Everyone's Oof. everyone's Oof. favorite books. Oof. Which you know, at five years old, you're like <laughs> Nightcrawler's cool, so <laughs> it's fine. That guy bamped. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I got I got in right at the the Phalanx saga. Oh man, I love the Phalanx Covenant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love. I mean, I I pretty much love every period, good or bad, for the X Men. <laughs> I love Executioner song and all of the all of the cheesy drama that the nineties bring. It it's cr- and all the pockets and pouches. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that like Claremont when he leaves, he leaves so abruptly that there's all this momentum that they have to fulfill, and it's like three big, uh events like one after another like fatal attractions and executioner song and uh like phalanx covenant kind of all similarly around that era and then that all gets launched right into the the age of apocalypse like that right kind of bruise into that and then it all gets in the onslaught and then the universe blows up (laughs) 90s are weird you know sometimes that happens Nine is yeah. weird, man. All right, so so that's that's Chris Claremont. We did it. Man, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we had a lot to unpack on, on our X Men journey. I mean, yeah. I think in some way we had to talk about the X Men as a whole. Even sure, if we didn't get, we are an X Men right. podcast. <laughs> we are not an X Men podcast. <laughs> All right, so um. Now is a good time to join our Patreon. Uh, dur- this is my favorite time of year for Patreon because we start to put out all of our spooky season exclusive content. Uh, there's there's some cool stuff uh, we've got work we've got uh, brewing for you on the Patreon. Yeah. Brewing, get it? Because brewing, ho- get it? Hocus pocus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> probably. Uh, I don't know. Are we doing? Uh, who knows? I I don't, I don't know I what's actually so. in line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suggest it if we if it, should do we're not. hocus pocus too. Oh yeah, that just came out like this week. So yeah, we're we're gonna be yeah. watching some stuff. We're gonna be talking about some stuff. I, I I think I'm doing. I'm on board for a top five. It's gonna be fun. Uh, j- go check that out. Go check out uh our, our Patreon. Uh, go check out our Discord. Uh, talk to us and hang out there. Um, yeah, I'll give you links to all that in the episode description. Uh, go check us out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Week's Comics. This has been Shales from the Shortbox. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.